Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How much is Broncos country freaking out over the loss to the Lions? How much is Sean Payton freaking out over the loss to the Lions? Enough to make drastic changes? We're going to break it down on the DMVR Broncos podcast today with a different crew, and I love it. We got Henry Chisholm, Alexis Perry, Zach Stevens rolling with you. How are you doing today? Good, good. I was just thinking about the... Probably the overreaction from the Lions loss, given the fact that it was something that we all had circled mm-hmm. as a loss mm-hmm. on the schedule all season. Yep. And for some reason, when the team actually lost, we're all shocked. I don't it was know those. Why. It was those forty-two points that sting. Yeah, that's like the like because it's it's really easy to think like this is going to be a loss and just kind of expect it to be a loss. Yeah, but you want to lose you by actually, like three. Exa- but then you like you watch them lose and you're like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. Like it sucks when they lose, and so then it's just tough to it. Does, you can't compartmentalize as well as you think you can. Self-inflicted wounds. Yeah. That's oh, why so it's true. Yeah. yeah, I get it. I get it. You know what's crazy is they got blown out. There, there's no easy way to put that. It's not right. like it was a close game and the Lions pulled away at the end. It was probably worse than actually yeah. the 42-17 to 17 was. And they lost by 25 points. Yeah. How did they lose to a team by double that earlier this season? Yeah. 50 points. That is just They missed wild. twice as many tackles. <laughs> yeah. wow. That's what happened. Wow. And you know what they what it is. did after that game, shortly after that game? They made some pretty drastic changes, specifically on the defensive side. Maybe not drastic changes. Were the changes that they made after that Dolphins game on defense to kind of flip their defense, would you say they were drastic? They were pretty dr- See, I thought you were talking about changes after the Lions game, and I was like, wait. Like, they made <laughs> these must have been tiny changes if I don't know what they are. But yeah, um, You're sleeping are you talking about the release of Randy Gregory? And, yeah, or yep. trade. I guess it ended up being. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, Randy and Frank. I think those are pretty drastic. I yep. mean, those are your two top edge rushers. And then what? You had Jaquan yep. come in instead of your guy saying Bassy. Um, <laughs> we gotta tell Alexis about we do that. We tell after Alexis the show. about that. Did he DM you? <laughs> what happened? Did you get a DM? <laughs> We'll talk after. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love a DM. Yeah, yeah uh, we love DMs. Um, what else was there? Were those um, the big ones? Yeah, I, I mean... I guess less of Drew Sanders Yeah, but for, he was only in for injury, so... Yeah, exactly. Um, um, Justin came back from injury. Right, yeah. right, right. Um, so, I mean, overall, the defense had drastic changes after yeah. that game, but it wasn't necessary. And, and I guess Randy Gregory, that is a drastic change. That is a pretty change. big one, yeah. Your second highest played defensive paid defensive player yeah yeah that's pretty drastic. that's pretty drastic just to ship him off i think what they did is they just decided that it didn't matter exactly what we knew about sean payton heading into the season is it doesn't yeah. matter what your contract is how much you get paid the best guys at that position are going to be on the field yeah mm-hmm. and i think that's what they just need to continue to do moving forward on both sides of the ball 
Yeah. Who's the second highest paid defensive player right now? Obviously, Justin's one. Be Zach, Zach Allen. Allen. Zach yeah, because he's in front of DJ. So do they need to just trade him right now? No. I guess you couldn't well, trade him. That's Cut the thing. Him, no. Bench him. <laughs> I think that the problem is you don't have enough Zach Allens. Mm. Not that he had his best game on Saturday, but, you know. I don't think Matt Henning's in is the answer. No offense to Matt, who's like a good rotational guy, but Zach Allen's having a career year. Yeah. Like he has more yeah. quarterback pressures yeah. than like anyone in yeah. the league by like a lot. Yeah. And then uh, also he's doing that in the running game too. I think yeah. for defensive linemen, he has like he's in the top five for run stops too. So he's doing the yeah. pass game, like you said, yeah. and the run game. Yeah, we need twenty-two Zach Allen's. <laughs> twenty-two Zach Allen's. Janet Why not? Kind of Why, not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Wow. So that is another good offseason conversation you have to get back to. Yeah. 22 of one player. Mm. I think oh, we decided before like it was that. just Pat. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. Would have to be. Uh, Baron Brownings, know. maybe. Pat Cortland Pat can't block. Uh, yeah. That, that is an interesting he, conversation. I like that. Um, so <laughs> Justin came back from injury after yes. that Dolphins game. Kareem is now coming back from suspension. But PJ Locke, as. We've talked about yesterday. PJ Locke is the first Broncos safety in history to have back to back to back sacks. So what do you do? Is it PJ Locke who gets to start this week? Is it Kareem Jackson? Or it is a safety position where it's yeah. not like a quarterback where it's one or the other. Yeah. Or do you mix them in and how do you balance that? Because I don't think you're going to be advocating for taking Justin Simmons off the field. Absolutely not. I feel like there is a way where we can get the best of both worlds between Kareem Jackson and PJ Locke. The thing is, is like PJ Locke has been a dog yeah. mm -hmm. since Kareem Jackson has been out. He's forcing turnovers. He's getting after the quarterback. I mean, Prior to that, Kareem Jackson, he had, what, two forced fumbles earlier yeah. this season. So, like, yeah. he's doing things, too. It's just, is it time to turn the page? Like, this is the next generation of Broncos safeties, and I love seeing P.J. Locke on the field. Does he make mistakes? Sure. Um, but I think he helps this defense more than he hurts them. And as of late, big Kareem Jackson fan, obviously, but as of late, unfortunately, K-Jack has hurt this team more than he's helped them. Mm. Yeah, it's it's tough because PJ's made a bunch of plays. In coverage, though, I'm still not so... I mean, he was doing fine. Like, he was getting away with things. Um, let's see, what game was it? Uh, I think it was the Houston game. There were a couple receivers who were just open in the back, like, got the behind him. Yep, who got behind him, but, yeah. like, they missed the throw or missed the catch. Same thing happened in the Chiefs game. So I think that he dodged like a bunch of bullets. Pat kind of told us yesterday that yeah, exactly <laughs> he's gotten a little lucky. Yeah, he's gotten a little lucky. And then last week the luck kind of dried up, and he gave up the two touchdown passes and got beat a couple other times. And we talked on Monday, I think it was Monday, yeah, about there was the the one where it's like yeah, you got beat on an out against a slot receiver, which isn't that big of a deal. Like you give up ten yards, any safety's probably gonna do that. But then you don't make the tackle; it's another nine yards, that's and that's tough. the kind of stuff that was happening. So to me, to me, it's Kareem. Like I get, I get the case for either side of it, but I, it, it reminds me a lot of like Fabian Moreau, who like came in and started. He was another one of those changes after the Dolphins game who we yep. forgot about. Yeah. Um, and it was really, really good right. for like four or five games. Yeah. But then after that, like the dam just kind of broke, and he's he's letting receivers buy him like once or twice a week now for big gains and. And that, that might even be another thing you got to figure out. But yeah, last week, Jared Goff went after him. Exactly. Exactly. And so I as it's tough, though, because PJ's made so many plays. Like you said, him on those blitzes, you get right. in the backfield like you can't mm -hmm. argue with that production. But I do think just in coverage, 
I get that people don't love Kareem back there either, but I think right. he kind of gets a worse rap than he deserves. I, I go Kareem still. Yeah, and Kareem might be just the guy that Vance trusts more in those mm-hmm. situations. Um, and I'll just take the middle ground of saying a little bit Vance of blend. Is, a little blend? Is, yeah, exactly. A blend because you can't take PJ's yeah. playmaking ability completely off the field. But I think that Vance is going to, when push comes to shove in situations where it is an obvious pass situation, he's going to trust Kareem more. But what you could do in order to get both of them on the field is either take a lineman off, but more realistically, take Alex or Josie off. Do mm-hmm. you do that? I don't think so. I mean, then you're just too light. Because, um, I mean, I guess you look at it as like, so your nickel is you, you take your defensive lineman off, you put in Jaquan. So there's your nickel. So normally you'd say, like, if you're trying to get an extra safety on the field, he's your nickel. The other option is to go to dime. And so I'd imagine that one of these two will now be your dime backer instead of Riley Moss, who's been that for, like, a month and a half now. And PJ so you would be that, right? I would With Kareem, think so, just because safety. you can protect, protect him a little bit more there. Right. And you probably want him closer to the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is, like, we didn't get to see Kareem actually take those blitzes off the edge. Right. Yeah. And just knowing the kind of player he is, it seems like that actually might be something he'd be incredible at, but they just weren't blitzing as much when he was allowed to play. So I do think you probably leave Kareem back, especially because in the run game, you want him running downhill more. Or do you, do you just keep Kareem away from quarterbacks? That's the other thing. Do you just not even... <laughs> do you just leave him in coverage? <laughs> You're like, you know what? Don't Cover even... Guy. Yeah. Just lock him up. Yeah. And that's the thing. So, I mean, you could, like... The thing is, you'd be cheating into your dime more often than not. Um, and that's how you get both Jaquan and the third safety on the field. But by doing that, you're saying like, we got four linemen, we got one linebacker and this week against the Patriots, you can't do it against the Patriots. Like unless they're, unless it's third and 12, you can't do it against the Patriots. After that, you've got the Austin I guess, Eckler. Chargers. With Chargers, a maybe you though. actually could. A backup quarterback. That's yeah, true. I, unless they're stupid, which they very much, the, the Chargers, I mean, might be stupid. Who and, gives this defense more of an opportunity to generate takeaways? PJ. And it's, that's why yeah. when they're push six comes, and one yeah. in yeah. games where they have at least two. And that's why when push comes to shove, if it is deciding between one of these guys, I'm going PJ for that and because he's the future play, but I think that Vance is just going to go with the guy that he trusts more, and that's probably a veteran, so I think that I would probably take a different route than what I think the Broncos will end up doing. And Vance we trust. Yep. Whatever. With the turnaround, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Again, like, it's just so tough because, like, those big plays really help, but also when you give up, uh, like he got beat by Jameer Gibbs on like the yep. well, one that comes back in for a touchdown. Um, Keep in mind, everyone on the defense got beat on that one. Ex- yes, <laughs> yeah. Then there was like the out. Was it now? No, was it? It was like a double move. It was like an in to uh, Sam Laporta. Like he gave up two of those touchdowns last week. And yeah. like I don't know what a ten-yard touchdown compares to with like a sack, but it did feel like even before this he was kind of due for a couple of those but the offense wasn't quite capitalizing and I don't, i'm like do you just say like it's a defense that takes a lot of chances so f it we're just gonna go after the quarterback right. or do you also need to say like we can't like we can't have leaks like that like two touchdowns in a game when your offense is averaging like probably less than two touchdowns right. per game yeah well and when pat's mentioning the communication issues with pj like how do you fix that yeah 
you have three weeks left to yeah. fix that. How it's do you tough. fix it? I'm like genuinely concerned. Yeah. Like how, yeah. how does it happen? And that might be the good news is the next three weeks, you can probably make mistakes and Vance can actually can see which one's better and mm -hmm. experiment a little where as if you were playing uh, the Lions moving forward, you mm -hmm. wouldn't have as much opportunity to experiment with. So that's going to be the big question. And we're going to talk to Vance tomorrow and get a little more insight on that. Let's, I mean, you mentioned another change that we need to talk about. Should Fabian Moreau be benched maybe for Damari Mathis or uh, Riley Moss? But first I got to tell you about our friends over at Factor Meals. Factor Meals is so delicious. And the thing that I'm just amazed about when I get my Factor Meals is how good it is. Not just the flavors, mm -hmm. but like the chicken is juicy. The vegetables um, are like perfectly fresh. Mm -hmm. uh, and Factor Meals is just the way to go, especially during this busy holiday season or when the new year starts and you want to get your diet back on track. They have so many options over at Factor Meals. It's fresh, never frozen. And I think that's what makes the food so tasty and juicy and delicious. So if you want to get in on Factor Meals, they're going to give you 50% off if you go to factormeals.com slash DNVR Bronco 50, no S, Bronco 50, and then use that exact same code DNVR Bronco 50 on their website to get 50% off. We love Factor Meals. We know that you're going to love them too for lunch, dinner, and they also have like smoothies and shakes mm -hmm. for breakfast too. So check them out, factormeals.com slash DNVR Bronco 50. And go check out Prize Picks. Uh, Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy uh, uh, platform in North America. It's the easiest, the most exciting way uh, way to play daily fantasy sports um, because it's just you against the numbers. So instead of trying to like compete against, you know, uh, like another person who you're kind of paired up uh, against, and so you take like their picks versus your picks, um, you actually just pick overs and unders for two to six different players' uh, stats, and then that's all it takes. Like, it's it's pretty simple. Um, so go sign up uh, at prizepicks.com slash DMVR. Use the code DMVR for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash DMVR, and use the code DMVR to match up to $100 on your first deposit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it looks like there's no, uh, nope, we don't have to do the whole DraftKings thing. Boom, there we yep. go. Boom. Okay, so let's hit a couple of these really quick because we still got a lot to get to. Um, first, should the Broncos bench Fabian Moreau for Riley Moss, Damari Mathis, your choice? No. You just, uh, you can't. Like, like, I feel bad for Damari and I'd love to see him get another chance, but like from the Broncos' perspective, like you just, we've seen what happened and Fabian at least gave you like, five weeks of good play and then like two to three of not so good play. Right. Damari just really struggled the entire time. Yeah. And I do think that it could help him to like jump into a defense that's functioning well. Mm. I think that that's an easier job than just going out there and trying to like build an identity. I think like plugging him in might be easier. You just can't do it. I would be, I would be tempted to see what Riley Moss can do, but give me that's Riley Moss a for a week by week basis. And if Ugh. he's, if he's not it, Again, thankfully, you're playing three backup quarterbacks oh. out in the season. Then you got Fabian to throw him in. But I agree. You can't you, afford you, you week can't by week, back. though. Well, yeah, I just. What if it doesn't work this week? They have you to lose? win out. Because Bailey Zappi's just simply not going <laughs> to. Even the first half? Riley Mott. Exactly. The he first was half. Yes, exactly. Oh. We're going to dive into Patriots talk a lot tomorrow. Um, but you're not crazy for sticking with Fabian yeah. Moreau. Yep. And that is what the Broncos are going to do. They're going to stick with him. Okay, on the other side of the ball, big conversation mm -hmm. starting to swirl. 
Javante Williams, should he be benched? Not necessarily benched, but should Shamaje P. Ryan really take that bigger step and be the Broncos' number one running back and Javante kind of take that number two spot right now? I'll start by saying I think they've kind of done a little bit of that already. Mm. Like you start with like the Cleveland game, 18 carries, 11, 21, 27, 15. Since then, 10, 2, 11, 12, 13. So like it is it's yeah. dropping off a little bit and maybe they found a better balance, but he's... I don't know. I've got a lot of thoughts on Javante. First one is, so his rookie season, 31 broken tackles. It's the most in the NFL that year. And he kind of, I think he had like three in the last six weeks or something like that. So it was a lot of it early and that kind of tapered up, which is kind of what you expect from a rookie. You yep. hit the rookie wall yep. and that's a thing. Last year, obviously, Injured he gets hurt, so you don't see right. it. This year, though, he's he seems to have kind of hit that same wall. He's According to, this is either the pro football reference stats, the stat head stats, um, and they usually do a pretty good job. They have him as missing one tackle in the last, or breaking one tackle in the last six games. Mm. And, like, the numbers bear that out, even, like, the normal numbers. I mean, 2.3 yards per carry this week, 3.9 before, 3.5, 3.6, 3.4, 3.8, 3.1, 5.5 yep. before that, which was great, but we're going all the way back to October at that point. Yeah. So I do think something is up there, and I almost go to Jaleel. I was going to say I have a hot take. As yeah. a starter? I have or a hot take. Guy? Yeah. Uh, he has the best, highest success rate among all Broncos backs this season. I believe it. And it's 13% better than Javante Williams. Yeah. Uh, it's a little over 53%. He's averaging 5.6 yards a carry. And it sucks because he's only averaging, what, four carries a game? But that's yeah. two mm -hmm. yards more than Samaje yeah. and Javante. So, yeah. like, why don't you lean in to him a little bit more and just see if he can really kickstart yeah. the Broncos run game. I love that idea because then that would force the Broncos to not be tipping their hand when he's on the field because totally. if he's your number one guy, mm -hmm. well, he's not going to touch the ball every single time he's on the field. And that's kind of the issue with him the past few uh, month, I guess, yeah. is when he's on the field, the defense is now keyed in on that. And yep. so they key on, they know exactly where he is, and that's kind of really limited his production. Mm -hmm. So I would love that. I don't think that's what the Broncos are going to do, though, because I think, I think Sean either. is going to say that exact thing. Well, if he's on the field, we have to give him the ball because we don't trust him in uh, obvious mm -hmm. pass situations. We don't trust him in protection. We don't trust him yet because he's smaller, because he's younger. And uh, Sean trusts Samaje. For sure. And so mm -hmm. I love that idea. I just don't think that's the way the Broncos are going to go. Mm -hmm. And, Henry, it is a good point that we've already started to see it. And mm -hmm. I think we're just going to continue to see it. And when it comes to Javante, what do we talk about all offseason? Like, there's no way he's going to be ready for week one. Right. No way. Mm -hmm. And we just focused on, like, is he going to be ready to start the to season? To just play in the game. Exactly. Yeah. And then be good initially. But what we didn't think about, and I certainly didn't think about this, was like, okay, he is ready to go at the start of the season. But he wasn't able to do a 100% in the offseason to get ready for yep. this season. So... I'm not shocked that he's hitting a wall exactly. two months into going from like 50 to 100 all totally. of a sudden. So I think this isn't just a bad couple of weeks for him. I think he's hitting a very reasonable, understandable wall from that devastating injury he had. So I think that it is time to not totally move on from him. But when you watch the game, the numbers also show that, that he's hit a ball. But when you watch it, he doesn't seem like Javante. He's going yeah. down yeah. with first contact more than I've ever seen in right. his career yeah. right now. So he just lost that kind of extra step. I so. just think of that game against Baltimore where he was like literally oh carrying <laughs> the defense, exactly. the whole defense. We haven't really seen a moment like that mm -hmm. 
from him from him this season. So yeah. I think that's just a really clear sign of where he's at. And I think in Broncos country, that's okay. We can be patient with yeah. that. And we yep. do have Samaje, we do have Jaleel, and there's other ways that the Broncos can utilize those guys in so order to make up for that. So I think by the stat head stats, yeah. um, there have been three games in Javante's career where he's had zero yards after contact. One was the Bears game this season yeah. when he only carried the ball twice because he got hurt. Yep. Um, the other two were this week and last week. Wow. Yeah, which Telling. is an ideal. And like by pro football focuses count, there was 20 yards after contact last week, but that's the you thing about all like the advanced stats focus. is like, ex- exactly. <laughs> don't act is, like I you don't... like him today. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so but I do think, so like the last five games though, it's been 14 carries for Jaleel, like 2.9 a game. Just yep. get that up to like five. Yeah. Maybe like five and a half. Just, just, just ship two or three more over and just see if, See if you can get them going, and if it works, then you keep building from there. Man, I'm really okay with, and this is not against Javante, it's mm-hmm. just where the injury, I think, is right now in his rehab. I'm really okay with having Javante be the number three running back. And uh, Samaje, really kind of your one, the guy you trust, who can be on all, all the downs. Yeah. Then, then Jaleel, I love what you said, Alexis. And then Javante's that maybe he has four carries a game moving mm-hmm. forward. But he's strong for those yeah. four carries instead mm-hmm. of being worn down. Yeah. Um, okay, any other moves that you think the Broncos should make this week in the final three games? I don't think so. I mean, quarterback is Russ. Don't is need it? to go down is that it? road. It's we Russ. I had someone uh, oh, God. reply on oh, Twitter. No. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, offensive line, you're not touching anything. Nope. Tight end, I, I guess you get Dulcich back. Yeah, that could be good. If that counts as a change. Ooh. Do you get Dulcich back? Because we found out from Sean on Monday that Greg Dulcich practiced last week until Friday when he was out because a new injury popped up. We know it's been his hamstring forever. Mm-hmm. Sean maintained after the game. He said his hamstring's fine. It was his foot yep. that popped up with swelling. We just wanted to get him off his feet uh, so we didn't want him to play. <sighs> Is that better or worse that it's now a different thing? I, like I told you guys, I think it was the pregame show on Saturday. Mm -hmm. I'm over it. Mm. Like I'm over (laughs) Greg Dulcich until he comes back and I see him consistently for like four or five games. I'm like not putting a single ounce of emotional energy into him. I am putting a lot of energy right now, though, into the tight end position because I think Saturday against the Lions and Sam Laporta really highlighted the fact that the Broncos don't have a star mm-hmm. at that position and my friend doug doug Ottawell, i love doug. oh yeah i okay. love doug we love doug. Um, we, we love doug around here um he actually wrote a piece about tight ends and i thought this was oh. fascinating and he mentioned that with seattle russell wilson led offenses average 50 receiving yards per game from the tight end position in new orleans peyton's offenses had even better production at 56.1 like Adam Troutman is averaging like 12 yards a game yeah. right now. Yeah. Like why isn't Sean drawing plays up for his tight ends? It seems like Lucas Kroll, as much as he wasn't supposed to be in that, yep. you yep. know, yep. game winning situation, yep. it does seem like Sean trusts him a little bit. Yeah. Is there mm-hmm. a lack of chemistry between Russ and his tight ends? Why isn't he looking towards that position more? I just want to see more action from the tight ends. I think the tough part is that you start from the point of you just don't have great tight ends. You know, and, and so that makes things tough. Ah, maybe. No. So, so what they've done, I think. So Adam Troutman actually this week played the fewest snaps he's played in a game all season. Mm. He's only out there for 30 snaps, and, and a big reason why is that they've started putting Kroll kind of in the slots. So whenever they have a tight end flexed out, it's basically Kroll. 
Okay. And it's Troutman in line. Whereas before, they kind of let Troutman do both. Right. Results, not great. Um, and the guy in the slot, when they flex him out, that was always supposed to be Greg Dulcich. Like, every single time, that's supposed to be Greg Dulcich. Yeah. Every time there's a tight end in line, it's probably Troutman with occasional man hurts or whatever you want to do there. But without Dulcich, that's kind of been the big receiving hole for the tight ends. And you would hope that he's just going to come back and he can take that role and it'll just make everything pop. But if not, it's probably just more of Lucas Kroll who 100%. like did some nice things in a couple a couple games, like back-to-back, like, he's what, done some nice games? things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then he just got officially yep. elevated to the 53-man roster. Sean Hey-o. not only saying, like, I like what you've been doing, but I want to see even more of it. Um, he was elevated before this last game. And Sean, twice in the past two weeks, has unprompted brought up Lucas Crowe when asked about the tight end room. Mm-hmm. People mentioned Dulcich, Troutman, and I think it was last week, um, Sean went out of his way to be like, oh, you, you didn't mention Kroll. Uh, Kroll is is really doing some good stuff, right. too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Kroll is... Yeah. Call his number a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. I want to see it. Yeah. Lean into it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, it's... I. I wonder if we're going to see more and more. Do you think he's just going to get more and more comfortable? I mean, and he got three targets this week. Is the first time he's got multiple. Only and caught it's those one. But short intermediate passes that Russ is really comfortable yeah. with. Who better? Right. Yeah. Than a tight end. To he's look a to. big athlete. I wonder. Just massive guy. Somebody said that he had Jordan center block hands. Which, that. Well, he basically. Ha- I mean, he's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Like, like that's that's what they use him as is. And we're seeing him get. He played a lot at the beginning of the season. Definitely. Maybe took a dive down a little bit, but now mm-hmm. little Jordan Humphrey's playing more now too. Definitely. Yeah. I mean. And that's the whole Sean Payton offense is you've got, like, your whole spectrum of players where it starts with, like, you've got, um, like, Manhurts and then Adkins, who's, like, a little bit more of a receiver, to Troutman, who's a little bit more of a receiver, to Kroll, who's just more of a receiver, to little Jordan Humphrey, who's a receiver, who's a lot like a tight end, to, yeah. uh, to like, Tim Patrick, I guess, would be next, but then it's Cortland. So you just have, like, this whole spectrum of guys. So it's, like, little Jordan Humphrey, technically a receiver, but they use him to do a bunch of tight end type of things. Right. So is Marvin Mims on the complete opposite spectrum of Chris Manhurts? He is right next to Jaleel. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it goes Jaleel, Javante, <laughs> Samaje, Burton, Manhurts, and then you're back all the way around. Yeah. I, like I love a look yeah. inside Henry's brain. It's <laughs> yeah. fun. Yeah, no, no, it's, yeah. the, it's the wheel. It's of, the wheel. Yeah. Of, yeah. We literally yeah. just went in a circle. Yeah, in yeah his no, brain. it really is. <laughs> it's fun. I, I don't know that I've written that. I thought I, I might have written that in the Well, now you know what you're doing camp. later. Yeah. All runs together. I love yeah. it. I love it. And I also love our friends over at Circa, where... We're going to Vegas. It's only like two weeks we? away. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, <yes. laughs> um, uh, I don't think I made the list. <laughs> and, uh, I'm confused. Uh, I don't me know. too. <laughs> we'll talk about it um, after. But we, in a g- general sense, are yeah. going to Vegas this week 18. What is that? The oh, first geez. week of January oh. for the Broncos Raiders week 18 game. And if you want to get in, Circa put together a package for you. You can get 20% off a two-night stay at Circa Resort and Casino. Two tickets to Winter Swim and Concert. Two passes to Stadium Swim. DNVR Tailgate Watch Party at Stadium Swim. One annual Die Hard membership package and an option to buy a game ticket. This is going to be a blast, so make sure to check out the link in our description. And then also just if you want a sports book, Circa is the place to go. So check us out and join us for this trip um, where it's a lot on the line, Week 18 potentially yeah. yeah should be a blast so make sure to check out that link in our description also check out game time because they have a bunch of cool features um so i'm still in the midst of my christmas shopping 
Um, oh, I so, thought you were going to do that all yesterday. I did, but it didn't, but it didn't end. It didn't oh. end. Um, yeah, you're quite so, the gift But giver. one of the things I did yesterday was uh, I was like, well, I can say this because it didn't work out. I was thinking like, oh, I, what if I could find like courtside tickets to a basketball game? Because my girlfriend's always wanted to do that. So I was like, there's no way I can Haven't afford we it. All? But exactly. <laughs> like, there's no way I can afford it. But might as well just check. And one of the cool things with game time is like, just the way they set it up is you can just kind of like click from one game to the next and it'll just show you the price right there yeah. so in about mm. 10 minutes you can just look at courtside seats for every single game yeah. which what was the cheapest um i think there were some of the like baseline courtside for like 1500 and the actual like courtside on the side yeah, like, like the 22 rust. 24 exactly oh. yeah so nope that didn't happen <laughs> yeah. uh which might be a little bit of a spoiler for christmas if somebody <laughs> in particular is watching um but yeah it's one of the really cool things about game time is they're just awesome i mean you you have the flash deals um it's it's where we all go to buy tickets like when i when i was looking last night i was like where sh how can i figure out what the cheapest way to get courtside tickets is and i thought for like two minutes i was like I bet I could just do that in game time yeah. because game time really is the best. Uh, so use the code DNVR and you will get $20 off your first purchase. So uh, download game time app, create the account, code DNVR, $20 <laughs> off. Um, terms apply, but it's pretty much that simple. And you can get $20 off. That can make the 2400 $2380. easier to swallow. Go see the wizards. <laughs> I, <laughs> so like I've obviously I know about game time through DNVR. I purchased game time tickets twice. One to a Buffs game, one to a Nuggets game like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Got tickets, really nice ones for like 41 bucks. Ooh, it's forgot, crazy. Forgot the code. Oh, oh no. guys, well, that, I that haven't. means next time. Oh, it's next time on game yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. DMVR. $21. DMVR is always a good guess. Come on. <laughs> I know, right? DMVR 20. DMVR, DMVR, DMVR Bronco 50 now. Oh, yeah, see that yeah, one? Yeah. That one's okay. a little tricky. A little tricky. Do we have our guy Baldy on? Not yet. Okay. We're waiting for Baldy. Uh, what game do you think Baldy would go to? We know he lives in Florida. But then he also lives in uh, like Philadelphia, yeah, Philadelphia like slash ties. New Jersey. He where was did he at, play? He was at a uh, where did who did Case Keenum play this Houston. week? Houston. Oh, not who in college. It was Houston. It was Dow? it was no, in Tennessee, uh, right? I think Baldy yeah. was at that game, shaking hands with Case Kissing Keenum babies. before the game. And speaking of Case Keenum, you know what we could see this weekend? Oh God, Joe Flacco versus Case Keenum versus Case Keenum. <laughs> Oh man! Isn't that, and and both of those guys have the ability to keep the Broncos out of the playoffs. Yeah, which is sickening. Yeah, it yep. really is. It is sickening. Yep. Um, what's not sickening is joint having our guy Baldy join us right now. <laughs> and Baldy, we missed you last week, but you had a pretty darn good reason. You were at the White House. What what was going <laughs> on there to get that awesome invite? Uh, my buddy, uh, longtime friend, Larry Dovia's father was uh, posthumously uh, accepting the Congressional Medal, uh, Presidential Medal uh, for service as first black player in American Baseball League. So we had a good turnout. It's a good ceremony. Um, a lot of really good speakers. But uh, yeah, his father was a great man, Larry Dovia Sr. So uh, we had a good time, good time down there in Washington. And it was supposed to be done a couple of years ago, but then the pandemic hit, so they postponed it. But, you know, it was cool. Like, you know, they got a, a special medal made just with his dad's picture on it. And uh, it was great, great reliving some of the stories of 
him being with the Cleveland Indians and the Negro League and all that stuff that happened back then. Man, that's wow. way cool. Yeah, when, when we were talking last week and you're like, don't think Wednesday can work because I'm going to be at the White House. I was like, wow, yeah. what what an awesome reason. When I miss a, a podcast, it's like last week it was because I was just like tired from moving. <laughs> I wasn't at the White House. <laughs> uh, so, Baldy, some things have happened in Broncos country since we last talked to you, specifically this past week. What I want to know is this, this defense on uh, Saturday after looking – Mm -hmm. really good elite for many weeks they look closer to that defense against the dolphins in week three than than they really did from that elite defense what why was that what did you see that really had the broncos defense uh or allow the lions to shred them well um ben johnson the offense coordinator is really talented and he does a lot i mean they couldn't cover sam laporta the whole day um they didn't get a takeaway for the first time in probably you know eight weeks or so uh, they couldn't take the ball away. They couldn't stop them on third down. I mean, they just, you know, Detroit came out and they ran the ball better than I've seen any team run against um, Denver since probably Miami. And I don't think a lot of people thought that, but Jameer Gibbs is is talented and David Montgomery's hard to tackle. So, like, they, they got it rolling. And if you don't affect Jared Goff in that offense where you're getting, the, you're getting to him and you're getting the ball out of his hands or you're forcing, you know, interceptions, and that offense is allowed to stay on the field. The playmakers and the way that they attack, it's just different than everybody else. And Denver got the full brunt of it. Yeah, Baldy, on the offensive side of the ball, we effectively saw the Broncos score three touchdowns in a row, and then they were still forced to kick a field goal. And you've said before that Sean Payton, he is – intense when it comes maniacal. to red zone offense. He is maniacal, maniacal. Yeah. is what yeah. you've said. <laughs> he wants to score touchdowns. So how do you think his expectations in the red zone really impacted that interaction that we saw between Sean and Russ? Because a lot is being made of what happened. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, we're never probably going to know. Uh, but that's a part of it. You know, I know whether it's on Russell for guys not, you know, whether Quinn is offsides or not offside. I mean, I don't know the the source, but the emotion comes from not being able to score. Like, I think they could have cut it to 28-14 at that point. I forget exactly. But yeah. that, that the emotion comes from exactly that. An opportunity to score because we have to score and we, we should score and we don't score. And then it just – and if you talk to any coach that's ever coached with them, offensive line coaches – they all use almost the exact same adjective to describe him. And that's not just on the field, what we all witnessed. This is like in meeting rooms. This is on the field. This is in, you know, coaching sessions when you're trying to put a game plan together. Like, it doesn't end, you know, and the emotion comes out of them when they, when they, aren't, when they don't score like that. I thought from like a game plan perspective, the Lions just looked like they were way more prepared than the Broncos were. Just seemed like they were getting all the matchups that they wanted. I'm first of all curious if, if you saw the same thing. And then with the like Dan Campbell, Sean Payton relationship, like how, how does that kind of factor in? Did Campbell just kind of know what was coming? No, I don't, I don't believe that stuff. There's always huh. every team when they play, there's coaching uh, symbiosis between each team, guys that have been different staffs. Same stuff. I don't think that had anything to do with it. I mean, you can watch Detroit Lions and you can watch the games where they've been outstanding 
and you could see why they were outstanding. And you could watch games where they went to Baltimore and they scored three points and why they scored three points and what gave them problems. You can see what Dan wants to do. His offensive line is elite. Um, he does things, you know, Ben Johnson formation-wise does things that really sort of reveals your hand of what you're doing. And they get the matchups. Like I said, the Laporta, like everybody's struggling trying to cover that guy and, and trying to figure out where he's going to be because they move him every every down and in pre-snap motion. But I think that – I don't think the, the fraternity that they once were had anything to do with it. I just think that one team is a lot more talented offensively than the other team. Mm-hmm. And it's not that Sean Payton – if Sean Payton had Panay Sewell and Frank Ragnow on the offensive line, and if he had, you know, the speed of Jameer Gibbs and some of the things that he has at his disposal – and a tight end, he doesn't have a tight end like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if he had some of those things, like Denver would be a completely different offense. But he's he, he's working under some constraints right now. Baldy, you talk about just how talented the Lions' offense is. Now the Broncos' defense goes from facing an offense with so much talent everywhere to a Patriots' offense that is simply the worst in the NFL. I know their defense is good, scary, elite. They can keep them in every single game. But is there anything to be scared about with the Patriots' offense coming up this week? No. Nothing. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, what you, if you're just watching a game, just as a fan, just so you – and the Patriots are on, you know, are playing. Just watch the depth of the safeties. Safeties will tell you the fear factor in the mm. offense. Like any team that's playing the Miami Dolphins right now or the 49ers, their safeties aren't inside of 10 yards. You know, the safeties line up against the Patriots at about eight yards, nine yards. I mean, they're not they're they're not fear of the ball going over their head at all. And so they they just, you know, Zeke is gonna they're gonna try to run the ball. Those safeties are gonna be involved in the run game all day. Um it's just something it, it's just a fact. There's no threat on that offense at all. Like Hunter Henry has kind of come alive here the last couple of yeah. weeks. So you you would you gotta pay attention. You gotta pay attention to all the guys, but there's not they just don't have many guys that strike any fear in you. And if you put anybody around Bailey Zappi, he might, you know, throw you a couple, you know, and so that's just the way it is. Defensively, they're not super talented at all. Their two best players are in injured reserve, Matt Judon and Christian Gonzalez. But they play so fundamentally sound. And they will identify, like they did last week to Travis Kelsey, they will identify your most important player, and they will remove that player for the most part. Now, I don't know who that's going to be. If that's Cortland Sutton, I don't know who it is. But um, sometimes you don't have that type of guy. So, Rishi Rice last week, Kansas City, you know, had nine catches and a touchdown. And, they, and you know, all the attention went to Travis Kelsey. Somebody else had a big day. But they're, they're very sound defensively in what they do. Yeah, Baldy, I think some people would maybe argue that even the Broncos don't really have much to fear on the offensive side of the ball. Heading into the show, I was kind of thinking about a traditional Sean Payton offense and what we've seen week in and week out this season. When you watch these Broncos games, and you mentioned some of the key pieces that this team just doesn't have in terms of depth at certain positions, but schematically, what is missing from this Sean Payton offense that we're seeing right now in Denver versus what he loves to run? Well, I mean, there was, a, there was a stretch when Mike Thomas in New Orleans, you know, he, 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 leads, you know, he set a record, 149 catches. And his Twitter handle was, you can't guard Mike. 
And Drew Brees basically acted like you can't guard. No matter what you do, they're, they're, I'm going to throw it to Mike. No matter what you do, um, we're going to throw it to him. And he had guys like that. He drafted guys. He's always had big tight ends that in red zone, we just throw it up there in the rim and go get it, you know. Um, he's had his share of guys like that. And he, he had he's always had these sort of glorified possession receivers that didn't scare you with speed, but they were big-bodied guys. I'm trying to remember the guy he drafted out of Hofstra. Right now I'm just blanking here. But Mike Thomas, that guy, he always had guys who were third downs. Um, we need a first down. This is the route combination. We'll put Kamara and Mike Thomas on, on a weak side, and we'll just run these combination routes. And if Kamara doesn't get it, Thomas will get it. And you could just literally march down the field doing that. And they would do it. They, he doesn't have a Camara like that. He had he had a lot of different running backs like that. Uh, Pierre Thomas. There's a lot of guys that come to mind um, that were so versatile in how you could line them. You could line them up receiver, slot, motion them back in the backfield, screen them. So I, I feel like the go-to X receiver that no matter what you're doing to him, you can still throw it to him. And then the versatile back. And they, they're doing it by committee. It's not terrible with Javante and Samaje and whatnot. But he doesn't have that one guy that could just stay on the field and do all those things. I'm curious, if you were running a defense against the Broncos, how deep would your safeties be? Mm. Mm. Probably, well, I would, I would probably be a single high safety team, mm. you know, because I would just try to stop, you know, the running game because that's where they put most of their emphasis right now. And so I would do, I'd play a single high and I'd probably play him at, you know, somewhere between 12 and 15 yards and, and shade him to the side of the field where probably Sutton was, you know, or Judy, depending on, you know, who's hot at the time. But I mean, that's, that's kind of how I would play the team. I, I, um, I, there's no, there's no reason to really play the Broncos in a two high shell, say the way Seattle played the Eagles the other night where they just didn't care how many times you ran it. They just weren't let the ball go over their head. Like, I don't see any need to actually line up like that. Yeah, that, that's very fair. Uh, and my last one for you, Baldy, is uh, the Broncos have the easiest remaining schedule of these teams that are making a push in the AFC for a wild card spot. What's the Broncos' most difficult remaining game? You got at the or at home to the Patriots this week, then you get the Chargers at home, then you finish with the Raiders in Vegas. Which one's most difficult? I think going to Vegas, you know, going to Allegiant Stadium. Because the Raiders, the one thing you can say right now under Antonio Pierce is they play really hard. And you're seeing some of the young guys start to play the game. I mean, Max Crosby always played it at a maniacal level. But now you're seeing a lot of guys play the game really hard. Yeah. Like I would think the Raiders, and that might be for a playoff spot for both teams. You know, we'll see what happens to the Raiders tonight. But <laughs> I think both teams could be competing. Yeah. Well, Baldy, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, happy holidays. Any uh, yeah. Christmas holiday plans? Uh, well, I got to work on Christmas Eve. I got to do yeah. a game. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to get to my house in uh, Fort Lauderdale. And um, we got some things planned for Christmas Day and, you know, around the holiday season. So it, it should be pretty festive. I love it. Well, happy holidays. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, and everyone, go follow Baldy at Baldy NFL yeah. on Twitter. Just past 400,000 followers, and there's a reason for it. Baldy's well, breakdowns that, are the that, absolute that best. I don't, I don't keep track of these things. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's pretty damn good, I'd say. It's <laughs> another reason to celebrate on Christmas. I'll do that. <laughs> Thank you, Baldy. Thanks right, so much for joining with us. Thanks, Baldy. Oh, man. Right. Love it. And uh, Baldy bringing some presents to Broncos country by saying... Yes. Nothing to worry about when it comes to not not only 
nothing to worry about with the Patriots offense, but their defense is fundamentally sound, yep. but they're missing their two best players. I will say on the offensive side, Hunter Henry does make me nervous. Yeah. This defense struggles to cover tight ends and I just yep. think about that Thanksgiving game and he he showed up. And then I think about just his four teeth. days ago. It is. And then you show yes, yes. think about his teeth. And then I think about Sam Laporta from that tight end position <laughs> and what he was able to do to the Broncos. And then I think of boy, what Hunter Henry could do. Mm. You think, are you, how worried are you though? Yeah, I mean, that's the point is at the end of the day, it's still yeah. Zappy who's throwing him the ball. So um, I don't know, scale of one to 10, I'm like a 6.8. And then like the next person mm. on the Patriots offense? Couldn't name him. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I don't even know who would be second scariest. Like Juju probably? He didn't play last week, so I don't oh, know yeah, if he's I don't know this if he's coming week or not. True. But if it's I've... not Juju, Zeke has actually come on more as the season's gone on kind of been the mm -hmm. opposite of javante williams i don't think he did much at all early in the season i he's been like okay mm -hmm. but probably him because yeah i mm -hmm. yeah ramondre stevenson is back he is back. was he back this past week too yeah only carried okay. about nine times at 21 the week before okay so who knows how they'll use him yeah interesting yeah uh the only thing i know about zeke is he still got that dark visor that josie jewel wish he had Huh, I'm sure he got some sort of <laughs> neurological problem that made the league allow him to do that. It's not because he's Zeke Elliott, who everybody knows. Oh, right. You're yeah. saying that facetiously. Mm. You think uh, it's yes. because yes. he's Zeke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of dark visors, if you want to get yourself a pair of dark visors, check out our friends over at Shady Rays, where if you want one that looks like Zeke, Check out their snow goggles, which are awesome. We've got a pair on the screen right now. They really are cool. And it's just about ski weather right now. So if you're going to hit the hills, make sure to get Shady Rays ski goggles. And what they're going to do is they're going to give you 50% off if you purchase two or more pairs of Shady Rays by using the code DNVR over at ShadyRays.com. Don't just take our word for it. Over 250,000 people have given them five-star reviews. And Shady Rays is not only a great product, at a great price with that 50% mm -hmm. off two or more pairs, but they've got great customer service. If you don't like a pair, you can return or exchange it for free within the first 30 days. So it's holiday gift giving season now. Get someone a pair of glasses and then you're gonna get one for 50% off. ShadyRays.com, code DNVR. And go check out Bax and Shanker too because uh, they are the best attorneys in Colorado. Um, if you get like hit by a car, if you're in the mood to sue, smash the two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a new one. It, wow. I like that. Wow, I'm in the mood to sue. I might have to. <laughs> I might have to hit them up. See if they have any ideas for me. Um, well, don't don't hit them up because then don't, they'll yeah, sue don't you. They would that. sue me. Yeah. They would yeah. sue me. But yeah, basically anything bad that happens to you where you think you deserve money, call Bax and Shankers. Like if you fall down those stairs over there, which just about everybody here has done at some point. <laughs> that last step at the end is just exactly. wider than all the other ones. So at least just... it's the bottom one. Yeah. If, oh, if it was just true. somewhere in the middle, if it was a mid one, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Um, Spano would not be able to expand no. the All City Network. No, no, no! <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, call Baxton Shake regardless of what happens to you. Um, they've been helping families in Colorado for more than twenty years. Uh, no upfront fees, no fees while they work on the case. It's not until you win money that they uh, they send they get their cut. Um, so they've offices all over Colorado, thirty lawyers on staff. Uh, and like we said, two, 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 two to find out if you have a case for free. Boom. Love it. Do we have any? I love that. He just didn't let me do a single read. All day. <laughs> Damn. Boxing I, you I paused. Out. I, I had, paused and I you had, didn't do well, it. Well, no, I was ready. I was just like, is he? Uh, uh, uh. I just figured if I would sit here for like two seconds, leave a pause, then 
Go. I like that. Check the tape. I like that. Check yeah. The tape. Check the tape. <laughs> yeah. The eye in the sky doesn't lie. It's true. Mm, yeah. That is true. <laughs> um, uh, Alyssa, do we have any super chats? We do not have any super chats, so I wow. want to get in. Are you offended by that? Yeah, Hurt of course. That? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's that true. No one wants to talk to us Guess today. Yes, we didn't do good today. But that's actually okay because I wanted to get to one more conversation, mm-hmm. and uh, Hank doesn't want to get to this conversation. Yeah. But so I put it off till the end, and now I'm just forced to go here, Henry. So mm-hmm. um, my question is: Has Sean Payton lost faith? and Russell Wilson. And the reason I want to get here is obviously the blow up on the sideline. But the reason I want to get to this question specifically is Russ was asked this exact question Mm -hmm. after the game. What do you think he said? I would guess no. (laughs) No, I guess no. He still has faith in me. Mm, A little, phrased a little bit differently. He said, yeah. I mean, well, so he was asked, does Sean still have faith in you? And he said, yeah. I mean, of course. I think the biggest thing is we're trying to score a touchdown there. I think we all want to score a touchdown. And then he just goes on to talk about that play uh, yep. and, and what happened there. Mm-hmm. But, of course, what else is he going to say? Yeah. See, my thing with the whole thing is that, like, I don't think anything has changed in this relationship since Ooh. before the season started. Okay. I think that every time, like, this conversation kind of comes up for whatever reason, in this case because it's, like, the blow up on the sideline, it's like, wait, does Sean not like Russ? I think my answer is the exact same as it's always been, which is that, like, I don't know, if if Sean, if there were just, like, four random NFL quarterbacks and Russ was one of them and Sean got to choose which one he got to play with, I don't think it'd be Russ. I think he'd like somebody else better. I think that Russ's personality kind of bothers. I think the personalities in general just don't mesh well. I think that the Sean is limited in what he can do with Russ. Um, I think that they've kind of found some ways to, like, get around that. Um, but I think that I haven't had like a new thought on like the Sean Russ situation since like August. And so like this happened, it's like, oh no, like Sean's mad at Russ. It's like, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised that Sean's mad at Russ. Like I can see why, <laughs> like it just fits kind of my whole perception of the situation. Yeah. Well, I brought up the sideline interaction, I guess, or kind of one way interaction, I guess, from the Detroit mm-hmm. game to Baldy specifically because yeah. it really is a non-story. That's kind of where I'm at, yeah. Um, and and when you're talking about being in the red zone and scoring touchdowns, it doesn't surprise me that Sean Payton, somebody who historically runs hot, got exactly. hot. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I'm not shocked by this. Like, Russ was just the guy in his way at that point. Yeah. Um, I don't really think that that's the story here. I'm with you. I think their relationship is probably just like any relationship. I think... In this situation, Sean Payton has the, obviously, the more dominant personality, the bigger ego. And I think Sean knows that you have to earn my trust. Like, this is like any relationship. It's not just given, it's earned, right? Sean was a part of the media Mm -hmm. last year. He remembers talking Russell Wilson as a media member. Mm. I think it's why he so early on in this year decided that he wanted to kind of I guess, shit talk Nate Hackett. And it was because he was trying to take some of the heat off of Russ because he knows even that it's not all Russ's fault, right? But at the end of the day, he still, he doesn't trust Russ, but that's not because Russ isn't capable, I guess, of running his offense. He just hasn't seen it yet, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think in this first year, like I'm not surprised that Russ's leash is short. Mm-hmm. I also am thinking about, do you guys remember when Drew Brees was out of practice yep. during training camp? Yep. Yeah. Like, 
Will that ever happen between Russell Wilson and Sean Payton? No. Fast forward, <laughs> no. maybe Sean's coaching somewhere else in ten years. Like, do you think Russ is stopping yeah, by? Like, I just great and point. you know maybe it, maybe it will. No, who knows? Like, we don't know where this relationship <laughs> so is going. Yet. We don't know where this relationship is going. Yeah. Right? Um, what I can tell you is just based off the statistics of a 34-year-old quarterback. Now 35, yeah. I get that. But I was looking at Drew Brees' stats from his 34-year-old season. You can see how short Russ's leash is mm-hmm. than than Drew's was at that point yeah. in his career. Man, that's a that's a great point because I think everyone looks at um, and myself included, they look at the stats of being okay. Well, what is Russ this year compared to last year? Yeah, it's not that hard to be better than last year. Yeah. But comparing uh, ex- where Russ is and uh, um, where uh, Drew was too, that's a really good point. And the whole time you were talking about trust and rust, you know what I thought? Can't spell trust without Russ. Well, well, you only need Ru- one S. Depends on if you want to spell it right. Bruce, how would you? <laughs> you guys, this is a random. <laughs> yeah, okay, Russ. Speaking. Well, it's not words. So you can really just pick it up. Bruce. You're the first one to say it. You, you, okay. you set the stage here. <laughs> can I just tell you though, just on how this offense is running differently? Like currently, Russell Wilson is averaging 120 passing yards per game fewer than Drew Brees did oh when he was 34 years old, that 34, 35 mm-hmm. season. So what is that, like 60% yeah. of what Drew Russ was is doing? averaging mm-hmm. about like 200 yards a game. Yep. Drew was one, or 320. Wow, so less than, wow. Yeah. Russ will probably finish the season with 150 fewer passing attempts. Attempts, not completions. Mm-hmm. 150 fewer passing attempts. Then Drew Brees had that same year. Wow. So what year was this for This for was Drew? 2013. 2013, okay. I'll double check that, but wow. I'm 90% sure that was 2013. No, that sounds about right. 34, yeah. So his 34, 35-year-old season was 2013. He was an AP Offensive Player of the Year. He got four votes on that. He was a pro bowler. Like, he threw for over 5,100 yards. Like, just Jeez. the way the offense, but that was how many years into their relationship? Right, right. Like, think mm-hmm. of how much trust at that point yep. Sean Payton had and Drew Brees being the conductor of his mm-hmm. offense. And like every offseason, you just change the roster a little bit to yeah. fit what you want more. Like, you're just building and building and building. It's like, oh, wait, what if we got Alvin Kamara? It's like, oh, what if we got Jimmy Grant? Like, there's just all those steps and steps and steps. And then you yeah. keep what you like and you change out what you don't. And so, like, after this season, who knows? Maybe they say, like, Cortland, it works. Uh, Jerry, doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, Troutman, doesn't work. Uh, Javon, running backs, they work. So we'll run back there. So they make that one change. And a new receiver comes in. It's like, oh, well, we kind of solved that. But we kind of like the run. And you just kind of slowly find yeah. what you want to be. So there is some of that. And like, that- even, even if, like, this worked. You'd expect next year to be even better. You right, expect the year right. after that to be even better. Right. I mean, right. I guess at some point you hit the age wall, I guess. But that's a, its own separation. So it does take some time to build those things. Well, and well, I see Andre here. He's commenting like, hey, look, like that's not even a fair comparison. It's it's 10 years into the relationship. Exactly. It was eight. But that's exactly the point I'm yeah, making. Yeah. Is like the trust needs to build. Right. And mm-hmm. you can't expect Sean Payton just come in and be like, oh, here's my offensive playbook. Yeah. Have at it, Russ. Right. Go, go cook. Yep. Right. And he's not going to do that. And that's what's so interesting about why this dynamic and why this question is so pressing, not on a week-in to week-out basis, because are they going to bench Russ for Jared Stidham this week? No, they're not going to. But what Sean didn't do for over a decade with Drew was make a drastic change. It was pieces around Drew Mm -hmm. for over a decade. Now there's a massive question this offseason. Are they going to make that massive change and 
change the quarterback situation and not just change the quarterback situation and get a new quarterback, but have a massive dead cap that comes with it um, and and things like that. So my take on this situation is, Henry, I agree with you. My take hasn't changed since the moment Sean came here, but I don't think Russ, I don't think Sean ever had faith in Russell Wilson from the moment that he was brought here. In fact, from the opening press conference, he had the opportunity to say, um, you know, I th- I'm pretty sure there was a question asked, or he could have easily gone out of his way to right. say this of, man, look how appealing this job was. We got the richest owners in the NFL, George Payton. Those were the two things he pointed to. Mm-hmm. He could have easily gone one step lower and said, and you got a franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson. And was there any question that Russ was a franchise quarterback with what they traded to give for him and what they gave him in a contract? No, there was no question that the Broncos had signed off on that. He could have easily gone that step. You think if he would have gone to Kansas City and had Patrick Mahomes or he would have gone to even Los Angeles and had Justin Herbert, that he wouldn't have mentioned him and said like, yeah, hell yeah, that's a selling point? I absolutely think so. Then (laughs) we talked about all of the little slights that Sean gave Russ throughout the offseason. Oh, how was your dinner with uh, with Russ uh, at, at the Super Bowl? Oh, mm-hmm. well, you know, it was great talking to Joe Montana. It's like, oh, yeah. well, that's not really what we were looking for. And uh, the one thing you could point to is that USA Today article where he yeah. absolutely, as you said, shit on Hackett. Yeah. And in order to give Russ some credit, that's really one of the only things. And then on Monday, he did say he and Russ have a great relationship. Right. I'm not fully buying that. So here's what I think about Sean Payton's trust in Russ. He trusts Russ to be the glass half full guy. I remember after the Bears game, he credited him and almost compared him to Drew Brees saying, these are the kind of guys that are positive, they're upbeat, and they they see this opportunity to come back in a game where you're down and they, they just lick their chops because they know that they can do it. Like that's the kind of guy that energy is contagious in a locker room. He's not sitting there saying, and then I'm going to have Russ go out there and throw for 350 yards. Right. I'm not going to have him go out there and throw the ball 35 times. Mm-hmm. Like he's right. not saying that he's like, I trust, he trusts Russ to be a positive locker room guy He's not saying, oh, I trust him with my offense. Right. And right. I just think that that's, that's the difference. And I think Sean could do things to help put Russ in better position. And don't make me talk about play action passing even more. Like, I have just <laughs> exhausted myself on this topic, yeah. on this podcast. But Russ's most successful years in Seattle, it was play action 30% of the time, minimum. Yeah. And yeah. it's not like that right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 I could rant about point. this forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say my thoughts on the contract have changed, oh. like whether they bring him back. Hmm. I can't remember exactly where I was before the season, whether it was, it was like 70% so one way have or the changed other. Since the start of the season. I think on, in that way, well, they have changed, but I do think they're also back where they started. Oh. Um, so because like at one and five, you're like, oh, they're going and getting a new quarterback. Russ is going to be gone after this year. Whereas before the season, you're like, well, it's another whatever, 35, 37 million bucks to keep him for two more years. And those charges don't hit the cap until after he's gone anyway. So it's like a thirty five million dollar charge in three years. If you want to keep him for the next two years, like it's a great deal for a starting quarterback. Um, when you get to that point, you're like, well, you might as well just cut him. Now I'm back to where it was before. Where it's like they could do it. They could not like neither way would really surprise me mm. at all. So both are options. I'd, yeah, like if they say like we want to bring in another quarterback and like late first round, early second round, something develop him, have him compete. Might as well have Russ here for that. Like just because we need to have a starter for competition, like it, it 
Because I don't think Sean would be willing to bottom out, obviously. Like, I don't think he'd... Right. He would he never... He bottomed out at one and five. Exactly. <laughs> like, I don't I don't think he'd be willing to go into a season saying, like, oh, I hope my quarterbacks work. Right. A hundred percent. And that's what makes the next month and exactly. then three months so fascinating. Is we got three more really important games. Yeah. Broncos playoff yeah. push potentially coming. And then also, we've got the huge question after that, which we'll know the answer by the start of uh, March. But before we get out of here, let's hit one super chat that came in. Mr. Rocket. See, Hank, some people like us. Says, Aww. I acknowledge this might be a stupid idea due to the okay. draft hole we just got out of, but what do y'all think about trading up to a top spot for a quarterback? This is a great question, something that I think yeah. we will be talking about because I think it is very much a possibility. And I think you prefaced it right by saying like, well, people are just going to say like, ah, oh, well, we've already spent too much capital in yeah. the past on quarterbacks and head coaches. Sean Payton spent nothing in the, his time with the yep. Broncos on quarterback draft capital or on trading uh, significant draft capital. Mm -hmm. So he's in charge. He hasn't spent anything. So mm -hmm. I absolutely think it's a massive possibility. It's possible. We talked about this a little bit yesterday after the podcast, but like, Sean also isn't like the draft the quarterback type. Like he he, he started Patrick out Mahomes. he did he wanted him but he didn't go get him. He yeah. could have gone and gotten him he if said he wanted him. He was a him. pick away. No, he was a pick away. Could have <laughs> traded up if he really wanted him. But I mean, you go back to like when he started, what he do? He he took the reject Drew Brees who didn't pan out in San Diego, so they went with Philip Rivers in part because of the injuries and said like that's my guy yeah. to bring him in. What happens when Drew Brees leaves? How about Jameis Winston? Like those, that's all the evidence we have. You know, good point. we were talking. Dre was saying he thinks the only top 100 pick he ever spent on a quarterback was Garrett Grayson from CSU. Go Rams! It's like a second rounder, I think. Third, second or third, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, also would not be surprised. I mean, Justin Fields, if he's out there, is that the path? If they decide they need to make a change at quarterback, like, oh, you would hate that. He's played better recently. Oh, credit he's for Justin better. Fields. I mean, I, I. I have no bad feelings about the takes that I had. That team was awful, and they're capable of nothing at this point. So I was right. Um, capable of nothing. But he does. I mean, he's he's done a couple of nice things. So I, it's possible they trade up. Like it's possible they run it back with Russ. It's possible they draft somebody in the third round because they think that he's going to be good down the line. They could go find a vet. They I mean, could trade for Drew Locke. Sean Payton is unpredictable. Oh, wow. Drew Locke. That would be fun. Oh, I love it. And I wish it was possible for us to keep talking about this. But we got to wrap up. Thank you, Alexis, for joining us. Thank mm -hmm. you, Hank, for jumping on today. We'll be back tomorrow on the DMVR Broncos podcast. Y'all city like the mayor. 